Welcome back to Transformative Quirks. I'm Leela. And I'm Cammy. Today we are going to talk about the alternative factor, which is uh, the worst rated episode of the first season of Star Trek the original series. And also is episode 27, so pretty far. Yeah, pretty far on. I mean, um, when you think about that, we only watched the pilot with Pike so far, so it's a completely different crew and everything, and it's it's like 27 episodes in, so yeah, a bit of time has passed. Yes. However, we also decided, actually, it, as it turns out, this one wasn't even all that bad, to watch another episode, which I personally thought was definitely the worst episode, uh, so yeah, we're going to be talking about that other episode as well, a little bit. Yeah. I mean, it was still fairly bad. <laughs> Yeah, I mean, I think it was mostly just boring. Yeah, it was pretty lame. Yeah, not really like bad in the way that I felt I wanted to be angry at it or no. felt that I had been cheated out of like however long an episode is, 40 minutes or something like that. I kind of hoped it would be like fun bad, you know, like the so bad it's amazing. <laughs> yes, exactly. Yeah, I guess that's what everybody hopes for when they watch a thing that is called the worst episode of the season. But yeah, it was just boring and lame. We're gonna... We're going to pass some judgment on that um, in a little bit. So let's talk about the summary first. So what happens in this episode? Yeah, so the alternative factor, it starts by the Enterprise getting rocked by an energy pulse. What happens is that they find out that the entire universe winked out of existence for a short second, uh, which sounds like it could be very interesting, but sadly nothing more really happens. It's just that everything was gone for a short moment, and uh, the planet that they had been approaching suddenly has a human presence on it, which before that short winking out did not have. Kirk and Spock beam down to the planet as they always do in order to find out what the fuck is going on and what they find is a weird man called Lazarus who <laughs> is falling about on that rocky planet <laughs> yeah. he does he, he has like a very dramatic dive of a cliff as they find him it's just like oh okay that's how you're gonna enter the scene is it <laughs> mm -hmm. yeah it was very dramatic very overacted not natural looking at all so yeah he's falling all over himself and is kind of injured so they take him back with them to the enterprise for examination when they're back on the ship they find out that there's something wrong with their dilithium crystals which is oh no that's the stuff that they use to power their everything that inside the warp drive no it's not just warp it's like they get their entire energy i think from the those dilithium crystals. Oh, okay. Yeah, that's not good then. And they get a call from Starfleet headquarters that the rest of the universe, pretty much, has also registered that very short winking out of the universe. And of course, what else could it be? Starfleet thinks it's the overture to an invasion. So dramatic. So dramatic. I mean, you get a call from your boss and it's like, what the fuck's going on, Kirk? <laughs> what are you doing? Except it's not even that. I mean, I would have understood that if they were like, Kirk, what the fuck are you doing there? But it's like, Kirk, we're being invaded. We're sending everybody out of the area, except for you. <laughs> you go and find what the fuck is going on there. Yeah. It's like the worst thing. <laughs> yeah, he must have not been his favorite officer. <laughs> yes, I don't think you'd send your favorite officer to something like that. But also, yeah, how 
over dramatic. Like they don't know anything about the cause or anything really. But of course, it has to be an invasion. You know, maybe it's not all happy and light, fun time future. I mean, there's probably still irrational people who are very trigger happy and kind of paranoid about things. Probably, yeah. And I mean, I'm not sure whether we already know about them at this point, but there are the Klingons and later the Romulans. So there are enemies in the universe. So yeah. Well, yeah, there's always like different species and enemies. I mean, it it still, it seems to me a bit like overkill to have this thing happen for the first time and, and not even really knowing yet what exactly it is. Let's just quickly continue with the summary before we go into yeah. in-depth analysis. Kirk is tasked with finding out what the fuck is going on there, why the universe winked out of existence. And that's pretty much all the episode is about. They just follow this Lazarus guy around who is running around on the Enterprise and then turns out to demand that they turn over their, their dilithium crystals to him because he is on a mission. He has an enemy who is dangerous and he doesn't even ever really manage to explain what exactly it is that he's fighting or why. No, and the episode is kind of confusing that way. The The visual clues are not very clear about what is happening. <laughs> there is, I guess, a point to that, as we will find out later, but still, it's just not, it's not well done. It's just not well done. And that's, I guess, what makes it boring. He has these episodes where a filter will go on and then you see him fighting with silhouette. Yeah, some kind of shadowy figure. Yeah, another man, it appears, and they're sort of fighting in this... Corridor, kind of. Yeah, it's described as a corridor, but I just thought it was a room or whatever. You don't see very much because it's overlit and sort of in negative light, so you see these white shapes fighting, and these scenes last for quite a while, and they're quite frequent. He has them down on the planet and then on the Enterprise quite a bit, but the crew doesn't know he has these episodes. Yeah, for most of it, they don't. And when they realize he's having them, they don't understand what's going on. They just think it's some kind of medical issue, Mm. perhaps, because he's wounded and who knows where he came from. However, every time he has one of those episodes, there is another one of those winking out of existence going on. And that's how they slowly start to realize that there must be some kind of connection between this Lazarus guy and those fluctuations of the universe. So Lazarus tells them it's his enemy who he's fighting in that interdimensional corridor. He tells them that that person is causing the winking out of the universe, the changes in the signals. Yeah. So he beams down with Kirk to try and apprehend his enemy. Is that when he steals the crystals or is that later? Yes, yes. No, no, that's exactly when he steals the crystals and then they find him again on the planet and he denies having taken the crystals. Oh, yeah. But we, of course, as the audience, have seen Lazarus stealing the crystals or taking them, yet he denies it. And I think there's like a, also a scene where he is in the med bay and is being attended to by, by Dr. McCoy and he has this like um, band-aid on, on his forehead. Oh, yeah. Then he has one of those episodes and suddenly the wound and the band-aid is gone. Throughout the episode, the more you start to realize that it's actually two different guys and then he starts explaining, oh, it's this enemy... Although he doesn't tell them it's himself, that's 
something you don't notice until much later. And then there's confusion, who's the good guy, who's the bad guy. And then Spock has this theory that it's him and his anti-matter universe counterpart. I mean, it's not very clear what the anti-matter universe is. It's a sort of bizarro universe, which is a concept that comes back in Star Trek, but it has a different name then. Except I'm not even so sure, because wasn't it that the anti-matter Lazarus only went mad when he realized that there were several universes? No, I think it was the other way around, that the anti-Lazarus is the good guy, actually, and the normal-ish Lazarus is the one that went insane when he learned about the various universes. After the anti-matter Lazarus traveled in time into the future, because in the past, the other Lazarus has destroyed the planet. His planet, the antimatter planet. Possibly also his own, I have no idea. Anyway, that's the, they dumped that on you, like, at the very end. There's yes. no detail to it. You just have to accept it, I guess. Yes, and it's it's also not that you get to see it happen or anything like that. You, you literally just watch Lazarus tell Kirk about it. It's exposition dumping, even though it's not really even exposition at that point, because that's just before the episode ends. It's just like, oh, wait, here's the plot. <laughs> I know you've enjoyed our special effects so far. Now let's add some plot five minutes before it ends. Exactly, yeah. Basically, that's kind of the, the thing that goes back and forth throughout the episode, them slowly figuring out what the hell is going on, and Lazarus blinking back and forth between his two matter and antimatter personalities. And then in the end, Kirk meets the antimatter Lazarus in the antimatter universe, I think, because he sort of accidentally trips through the entrance of a Lazarus's ship, which is like an interdimensional. Yeah time traveling machine which looks like an actual flying saucer i love it it's like this <laughs> giant bulbous glass dome surrounded by just a rim it looks like a flying saucer yes exactly that's a nice design there it's kind of sad that it doesn't really get used anymore it just sits there it's yeah. passive but anyway yeah in the in the antimatter universe kirk finally gets to talk to um the antimatter lazarus and he like literally in the last 10 minutes or so of the episode just sits there and explains it all to Kirk if they meet outside that corridor where they keep fighting then they would basically cause everything to collapse like the whole universe yeah they cancel each other out basically if they're not in the corridor which is why they keep fighting in the corridor I guess because outside it would yeah it would cause total annihilation yeah and so the solution which is just presented to us as a finished fact is that Kirk needs to destroy the matter Lazarus's ship so they both get caught in the doorway between. Yeah, I think both of their ships need to be destroyed, is what he said. But I think by destroying one ship, the other ship automatically is also destroyed because it's a portal connecting them or whatever. Yeah. A lot of these things didn't make sense. Yeah, it's very hand wavy. This whole plot is very skin deep. Like, once you start questioning the logic of it. Yes, the solution is Kirk has to go back and destroy the ship, which he will do by overloading the dilithium crystal or something like that. <laughs> yeah, reverses the polarity of the neutron flow. No, he phaser beams the ship. Yes. Do we know whether they're forever trapped in the the corridor fighting i think they are aren't they he should have just killed them both to be honest isn't that even worse seriously yes the antimatter lazarus makes this very noble sacrifice of staying forever in the hallway with his enemy fighting him forever into eternity uh, sounds like a greek myth cool so what did you think <laughs> i mean we we did touch on that already yes 
Yes. Well, it was supremely boring. <laughs> I think it had a quite interesting idea with the whole like a duplicate of the self that might be evil or misguided or something like that the possibility of the existence of multiple universes that sounds very interesting but the way the entire episode was built was just very lame and very weak and we have a lot of the thing where people say show don't tell this episode was all tell yeah i agree with what you said and also it was just so repetitive he just kept walking dramatically around the hallways of the enterprise and having his fits of interdimensionalism and these <laughs> scenes just lasted forever right yeah also those fighting scenes a good fighting scene i guess if that's something you're into can also be quite interesting but those weren't even good there was just two men sort of bumping into each other yeah and you couldn't see a lot anyway like you couldn't make out any details the effects weren't that amazing i don't think they were so proud of that that they had to show it you know for that long i think they mostly used it as filler to be honest i don't know they could have used that time better like you said the concept was very cool but it, it just sort of went nowhere exactly yeah what i think the reason for that is is probably like the writing of that episode like i don't want to drag on whoever wrote it but um i think the writing was just very very weak because it was all tell and no show at all yeah i wonder maybe they had some problems with that i mean on wikipedia it does say that the original actor simply didn't show up on the day of the shoot so they had to <laughs> get another guy he read the entire script and was like what the fuck <laughs> he ate the script ate and then the disappeared. <laughs> no, I mean it wouldn't it wouldn't fundamentally change anything about the episode, I think. But the Lazarus guy, I thought he was so hammy and so oh, over the top. Yes. But I think that maybe at least the hamminess and the acting of it might be explained by, you know, him not actually being the guy who was supposed to be Lazarus. That's true, yes. Yeah. Yeah, who knows what what other problems they might have had. But we're not gonna be too lenient with this. <laughs> <laughs> no. <laughs> um, but yeah, uh, it's just super nice to see the original Star Trek TOS crew. Was, they were all cleaned up, you know, Spock looked the part, um, Kirk was there. Everyone's still so young, it's just yes. very nice. Oh, they're all just such babies. Everyone's there except for Chekhov, who comes in, I think, in the third or second season it's actually very interesting to see how much makeup they put on them oh my god there was just i mean I'm, I'm not even talking about the female characters i mean with kirk it's fairly subtle but mccoy oh my god he had like the whole eyeshadow mascara like it was very very prominent <laughs> <laughs> yes I think he does retain that, though. They put a lot of makeup on DeForest Kelly. I don't know why. You know, I think that's a sort of habit that comes from black and white television. Oh, because yeah. they had to make the contrast very stark with white face makeup mm, and then black eyes. That's true, yeah. Maybe they thought that his expressions weren't expressive enough. <laughs> I think he's quite expressive already. I Yeah, I think so, too. I, I feel like, you know, it's not been that long since black and white television was a thing. So I think it's just a habit that stayed on for a while. Yeah, but on the other hand, I gotta say, I, I also find it kind of refreshing because when you look at male actors today, they obviously also have a lot of makeup on them, but it's kind of like natural looking and kind of hidden and just trying to make them look smooth. No, listen, I'm all for men wearing makeup. It's just, I don't think that was the point that we're making. <laughs> 
yeah, just saying that out loud again because we do like a man in makeup. Yeah, definitely. Hollywood, listen and put more men in makeup. Yeah, especially eyeliner. I think the eyeshadow looks pretty good as well. Yeah. And good eyebrows. Um, another thing that I noticed for the first time watching the original series is that they all got pointy sideburns. I didn't know that before for some reason. I thought that was really cute. It is. It's, it's the future and that's the trend, it seems. Yes. That's the fashion. <laughs> I must say that I had been aware of it. I've drawn them before and yeah, they all have pointy sideburns of the future. Ah, it's just cute. That's how we know we're, we're not in the good timeline because everybody has just full beards and no sideburns at all. That's how we know it's the bad timeline. True. Got Damn it. In the very beginning of the episode, we get treated to one of the best things about Star Trek, which is a collision with everyone just sort of flying around the bridge. <laughs> I love it. It's like, it's one of my favorite things about Star Trek. And you know, there are these, um, there are these gifts where they just straighten it out and then you can just see the actors just throwing themselves around. <laughs> Once you've seen one of the, one of those GIFs or videos where the camera is straightened, you can't unsee it. You just realize it. that it's not the set that's shaking. It's just the actors falling all over. Listen, I'm going to post one of them on our Twitter because it's amazing. At TQuirks, by the way, one word. Talking some more about the design, obviously we've mentioned the flying saucer. That was very cool. I like that, very iconic. And for the first time, we get a glimpse of that stone quarry, which I think is the same one they use in like a trillion other episodes of Star Trek. Yes, yes. Although, I mean, we have to say that it's the first time that we as people who are doing this fast forward kind of thing. Yes. First time we're seeing it and it's, yeah, it's like coming home. <laughs> we have seen this stone quarry <laughs> so many times. It's like one of the two alien planets that exists in the universe of Star Trek. It's either paper mache caves or stone quarry. Sometimes in combination, but that's it. Kind yeah, of. exactly. It's a very iconic scenery and I was happy to see it. Anyone who's watched a few episodes of Star Trek will know that quarry. It always reminds me of the X-Files because I remember there being also a whole bunch of episodes that were in Stone Quarry. Yes. I don't know where they filmed. Stone Quarries and trains. <laughs> so many trains. <laughs> Back to the show at hand. Back to the Stone Quarry at hand. Yes. What I thought was quite impressive was that there was another black woman on the bridge. Do you remember? Oh, yeah. That's right. So I looked her up because I was like, wow, I wonder whether she's in any other episodes. I don't think she is. I couldn't find anything on it. Um, her name is Lieutenant Masters. And she was an engineer. And she had natural hair, which, you know, for a black woman in the 60s on television is like... That's the future. Yeah. <laughs> so I thought that was very cool. She has a pretty big role in that episode as well. Like That's right. Yeah, she's around when Lazarus tries to steal dilithium crystals from engineering. And she's there in the beginning as well uh, of the episode talking to Kirk. And then she's there later when they're having a meeting and stuff. So I was really pleased by that. And what I really liked about that was just a small detail. But the fact that she is there with a male colleague and Lazarus overpowers or like just thumps on the head the male character first yeah we don't even get to see that because he's that easily dispatched yes. and actually that male character is her assistant exactly taking her out is much more difficult for him and i really like that because we can't really say that she had much agency because the storyline just didn't really allow for anything like that but in that short little scene yeah she was in control of the situation no she was definitely um portrayed 
portrayed as a competent female officer in charge. They had a little fight and um, yeah, I liked the fact that he got rid of her assistant first <laughs> and much more easily <laughs> than he, he got rid of her. No, I think it was great um, how she was portrayed uh, yes. and that she was a lieutenant and she had power and... And a scientist. Lieutenant Masters, very cool. Yes. I wish she was there for other episodes as well, but oh well. Is she not? No, doesn't appear to be. Wow, too bad. Yeah, too bad, indeed. I, I thought it was really interesting that they contacted Starfleet, or rather Starfleet contacted them, because I don't think that's a thing that happens very often in Star Trek. That's true, yes. most For most of the time, you get more of the sense that they're on their own for this five-year mission yeah, um, without very much control. Like, sometimes I think we get like glimpses of, of, of Kirk having to report something to Starfleet after the fact that he'd be doing... A writing a report or something after yeah. something happened but that Starfleet is actually contacting them yeah that's rare that's rare and what I also thought was interesting um, I'm really not great on the law when it comes to Star Trek because you know I haven't really been an active fan or anything but the general who's calling them actually has a different symbol on his shirt oh. so I wonder whether it's like you know each ship having their own symbol or like each quadrant or what is it I wonder I think it's the the rank probably that, that gives him that different symbol if he's like in Starfleet think? yeah I think if he's in Starfleet command that might be like a different symbol yeah maybe I don't know because on on the Enterprise everyone regardless of rank has the same symbol so I would have thought you know yeah but like those are active duty yeah, yeah, maybe. symbols and being like whatever it is rear admiral or so who only sits in his office and directs the rest that might be a different thing yeah I wonder whether we're gonna see more of different symbols probably not but let's keep an eye out for it yeah it's definitely also a cute bit of um, world building, makes it a little bit more real. Style-wise, well, this is the first episode for us that we've um, checked out Kirkin this season. <laughs> and um, something that is very typical for him already starts there, which is like he gets the movie drama eyes. Mm, <laughs> which yes. is when his face is in the shadow and he has a strip of light across his eyes and just makes him look very intense. <laughs> Yeah, that is something that is used a lot in Star Trek. Yeah, he gets it most often, that's yeah, true. Yeah, again, it's one of these old-timey movie things. When someone's mm -hmm. being dramatic or mysterious, then they get those drama eyes. And Kirk has them, like, half the time he's, he's talking. All the time. In a different movie or series, I would expect that to be something that they give to the dramatic heroine. But not, like, the male lead character. But in Star Trek, they just give it to him. He's that type of guy. <laughs> he deserves it. He he really is, yes. So another thing they do is they have these scene transitions where the screen just spins in and out and that was so reminiscent of these old Batman movies. I kept wanting to do like do -do 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 -do, yes. you know, the <laughs> jingle that goes with it. Like a spinning newspaper. Yeah, it's almost like someone was checking out what they could do. Yeah, like they got a new software or something like that. Except probably back then there was no software things for anything. But like they got a new batch of effects and like we have to try all of these and so they did yeah. but otherwise I think that episode was even visually very lame yeah it was that's what I mean like they did a lot of this oh let's turn on the negative filter let's turn the frame but I think they just did that because they were kind of bored themselves of that plot probably yes oh let's spice it up somehow 
Yeah, there just wasn't really anything that lent itself to being visually interesting. They could have done like a million things with the antimatter universe looking somehow different, but they didn't. They were just padding out all the wrong bits. I would have liked to learn more about what they dumped on you in the end of the episode, which is matter, antimatter. Like, what does that even mean? What's that corridor doing? Right. Also, isn't that perhaps like a continued danger or also maybe chance for, I don't know, further exploration? How I understood it was that that ship, you know, the two ships in the matter and antimatter universe were the only portals that existed and the only time machines that existed. But why? Like, if the technology is there why can't it be replicated stuff like that i mean any further questioning really doesn't hold up <laughs> yeah not really again there's so many options so many so much possibility in this kind of story but no one took those chances yeah i would have liked to hear more about his home planet what the civilization was like and how it did get destroyed but yeah none of that no on the other hand though maybe we also have to consider that sci-fi did exist before star trek obviously but still not much of it not that much and not that much in this kind of style so sure but they could have they definitely could have made the whole storyline clearer like even if they had no idea about like how to resolve any of the science stuff <laughs> yeah i mean just saying that we're also like we are obviously like in a different situation now than the people back then who originally watched it when it was first shown. sure i mean they must have been also confused <laughs> Yes, I'm pretty sure. But at the same time, I think back then when you were watching it, you probably were also just kind of blown away by the whole thing. Just like, oh my god, it's a show about the future. They're in a spaceship. They're going to unknown planets. No, I get that. But also at that point, it was episode 27. So they've probably seen some much better episodes. <laughs> That's true, yeah. It, it, to be honest, I'm, I'm not sure that it deserves the title of the worst episode of the season. It's just the IMDb rating, right? That's just, yeah. Right, yeah. But I mean, IMDb 2 chooses things by... No, it's, of course, it's user ratings, but it's it's a couple hundred users, usually, that rate an episode. So, in conclusion, I guess, it was pretty lame. You know, it didn't do anything offensive. It was just meh. Yeah, it was boring. Yeah. So, speaking of offense, we also... <laughs> <laughs> nice! <laughs> Thank you. Nice segue, huh? So, we actually uh, also watched Mud's Women which is an episode from, I don't know, around about the middle of this first season, because it is bad in another way. <laughs> yes, it is an episode that I remember from my our initial first watch, which was like many years ago. I didn't remember at all. Um, remember it as being infuriatingly bad, so like bad in a different kind of way. It wasn't boring, but it still was very bad. That's the thing, so it's not as boring as the alternative factor. It has characters that are uh, memorable, and a lot of people still remember Mud, who's the slave trader character. I think he even comes back in a later episode, if I'm... Does he? Ah, oh, joy. So just a quick summary, it's about the slave trader who comes on board with these three women and almost all the men on the Enterprise just go a bit nuts over them. They seem to be having this allure. Yes, animal magnetism. Somehow. We don't know in the beginning. Spock isn't affected and Kirk seems to be dealing quite well, but McCoy is head over heels. <laughs> he is just not functioning. Um, and then yada yada yada, it goes on and Mud is trying to sell these women on to miners on a different planet. And there's just a bit of back and forth with the men just going insane and the women just being like, hey. <laughs> like, you come here off. <laughs> yeah. uh, anyway, 
in the end they go to this mining planet and on the Enterprise in the meantime we find out that they're not actually young and beautiful but they have to take this drug that makes them attractive and also puts makeup on somehow. <laughs> Let's everyone see them as beautiful. I don't know how it actually works. Magic. Not sure what happens. Yes. I mean, it's also, it's it's just stupid and problematic and infuriating. It is definitely just dumb as hell. Yeah. They managed to turn something which on the surface is simple enough by saying like, yeah, this is a drug that makes people who take it look beautiful. That would be simple enough and everybody would understand it. But no, they had to go the extra mile and go like fit it into the gender binary by going like, yes, it makes women beautiful and sexy and the men become aggressive and strong, which is just... <sighs> yeah, right. So that's like, you know how they are. <laughs> women become docile and beautiful and sexy and men just become monsters, I guess. So when they're on this mining planet, the women hit it off with the miners or whatever, and then one of them flees. One of them, yeah, one of them has her doubts about the whole thing. And she's like, oh, I can't do this anymore. This is wrong. Yeah, the deception is getting to her. And then the stupidest thing for me anyway about this episode, then they give her what appears to be the pills in the end so she can be beautiful for the miner because, oh no. Oh, yes. Now she has two wrinkles and the makeup's off. She's still a pretty good-looking woman at that point. She doesn't have any massive prosthetics or anything. She just looks like a really normal person. Yes. Basically just a slightly wrinkled version of herself, of her beautiful self. Not even that wrinkled. Like, honestly, she looks fine. Just the slightest bit wrinkled and no makeup on. And obviously the miner is like, nobody cares what he looks like. <laughs> also, it's so obvious that these women, as soon as their makeup is gone and they have the tiniest bit of wrinkles, they are concerned considered so ugly and so awful and so terrible <laughs> no like oh no you look like a human woman now yuck <laughs> but so anyway she sits there looking like that and the miner's a bit disgruntled about it he's not just disgruntled about it all the miners i think in this moment are considering returning their damaged goods because yeah they were deceived they were deceived. The women they were about to buy aren't as beautiful as they thought they would oh, be. Oh, God. <laughs> That's the whole point the episode is making. In the end, they give her, um, sitting there makeupless, they give her these pills again, which you think are the, you know, beautification pills. And she takes them and suddenly she's like this radiant soft light filter. Beauty again with her makeup done and her hair done and everything. And then it's... <laughs> and then, oh, God. Then Kirk is like, guess what? There was some Haribo who didn't give you the beautification pills. God, yes. So then it's got this really weird ass-backwards moral tacked on in the end, which is like, oh, you can be beautiful for the man. Just, you know, believe in yourself. Just be yourself. Right, that's it. Yeah. When you believe in yourself, you automatically get perfectly done hair and makeup. Yes, you will, by the power of your mind, conform to the standards of beauty of men. <laughs> 
So that was just, you know, it was bad enough. For most of it, I was just like, listen, I can't even take this seriously. This is dumb as fuck, whatever. But that ending, that fake moral just really enraged me. Yes, I, I was enraged by the entire episode. I found it easy to sort of dismiss as, wow, okay, that is clearly your run-of-the-mill sexism. Wow, look at the sexy ladies. But then they thought they were smart at the end by putting that weird moral there of her being beautiful all by herself. It's like, really? Yeah, it's like, <laughs> we're so feminist. Look at us. <laughs> yeah, honestly. I mean, they could have just made a point of like, oh, look, she's not so bad looking even without makeup. I mean, it would have still been pretty shit, but, you know, better than what they actually did. Right, yeah. There's just, God, there's so many points that are so fucking awful. I know, and this podcast isn't even about that episode. This is just yes. our honorable mention of how terrible it was. It is It is <laughs> definitely, in my opinion, the worst episode of the season and perhaps of the entire show, yeah, I think. Yeah, since I can't remember most of them unfortunately i can't weigh in on that but it's definitely quite terrible well the thing is i i can't either but the simple fact that i could remember this one as being so bad yeah, right. makes me think that probably it is the worst yeah the rage was ingrained in your memory <laughs> <laughs> yes the rage was what made it stand out fair enough yeah god in terms of meta enragement yeah <laughs> meta enrages me is the fact that people did not vote that episode to be the worst one but rather one that was just boring yeah that's another thing isn't it because a lot of people well i say a lot of people men <laughs> usually don't pick up on these clues as much as women would cis men let's call them for what they are it's such a common trope all across media that women are not seen as characters in their own right but rather as wares in some way like literally in this episode where they're being sold as kind of slaves but even when they're not being sold as literal slaves women they're measured by their beauty and that's the only thing that matters about them like an object that only has to perform yeah. in one very specific way in star trek it's especially often the alien women that are portrayed that way which i think is probably like just a way of trying to get around it like yeah we're not trying to offend women it's just alien women who don't exist so no i don't think it even went that deep i don't think they thought that deep it's just the standard really like that that's something that just really annoys me that um people will judge something worse by just being boring and lame rather than looking at something like this which is like really disgusting in some ways yeah people being blind towards things that are not offensive to themselves essentially yeah just not being aware of all those problems and that's why we need feminism it's one of the reasons we have this podcast right so other voices are being heard exactly yeah on uh, the positive side next up is the very best rated episode and i can't wait to like cleanse my palate of this <laughs> <laughs> yes um, and I'm really looking forward to that. Um, do you remember what it was called? The City at the Edge of Forever, right? Yes, it's the the 20s episode where they travel back in time onto Earth in the 20s. That's amazing. I have very, very vague memory of that. What I remember most is just the costumes, which look amazing. Great. Because we get to see the entire bridge crew in 20s fashion. All right, don't spoil it. That's next episode. <laughs> But yeah, it's going to be amazing. And it's the episode right after um, the alternative factor. So they really made up for the lame stinker. <laughs> Smart placement. Yeah, and I'm really looking forward to that. Yes, me too. Um, I hope you enjoyed this. Uh, yeah, let's plug our various things. So um, yes, our Twitter is at tquirks, one word. We are now also on Spotify and a bunch of other platforms, which I can't remember. 
But yeah, Spotify, pretty cool. So subscribe. <laughs> also, maybe like follow us on Twitter to find out when we update. See amazing GIFs. Like the Star Trek. Yes. <laughs> See everyone flying around in the background. It's just amazing. Yes. And also, I guess, to interact with us if you have questions or suggestions. Sure, 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 sure. Anyway, um, that was great. We'll see each other next time. And I hope you have a good week till then. Yes. Thank you for listening. Bye. Bye.